Oh my god. Emma? Hold on. I'm Yes. I'm losing audio. Hold on. Can you hear me? Yes. One. Oh jeez. Let me save Bill here. Hello and welcome back to the Commerce Collective podcast by Flywheel. I am your host Emma Irwin, a senior editor and specialist, and today you're talking about influencer marketing. We have a great guest here who founded a company that has built out a platform and an influencer marketing managed service offering for brands who is going to cover the state of influencer marketing and how brands looking to invest can really dig in. Let's move right into meeting him. So my name is Bill Hildebolt. I'm one of the co-founders and the executive chairman of Gen Video. A long time ago in a faraway place, I started my career in finance. Initially, I was a commercial banker. Then I moved to investment banking. And then I did a brief stint in venture capital before becoming an entrepreneur. So I want to know, we ask everyone what the last thing they purchased online is, usually from whatever kind of like retailer they're talking about specifically. But have you purchased anything inspired by an influencer recently? Yes, I have. Please tell. (laughs) So for me, and I'm trying to learn how like not to be embarrassed by this, but I'm pretty far down the health and wellness rabbit hole. And so one of my favorite influencers and beauty of the social media algorithms is I discover new ones pretty much every day. And again, I don't know if you can call a Stanford professor an influencer. I think you can, given the activities he's engaging in. Is a guy called Andrew Huberman. He's got a couple million followers, and he's got a podcast called The Huberman Lab. He does take sponsors, so I think that's probably also a qualification for being an influencer. He's a proponent of a thing, of, among other things. He, he endorses um, something called The Whoop. Uh, which is a wearable fitness tracking device. Yep, headquartered here in Boston with me. So I've even been in, I've been into their labs and done research with them. And so based on his recommendation and then doing some of my own research, I was in and now I'm obsessed with the thing. It's That is something on my, this'll go to a question that comes next about like a digital wish list, but the whoop is on my digital wish list. I'm thinking of like maybe a Christmas present. I'll ask for the whoop. I'm very invested. Okay. Now I've been influenced. So we're doing we're doing our jobs. <laughs> okay. So the digital wish list question, that has to do with it's something that I'm just gonna have you think about something that's on your digital wish list, but we'll come back to it at the end as a way to kind of finish up the podcast if that sounds good with you. Sure. Sure thing. Okay. So now that we know Bill a bit better, let's talk about Gen Video. What Gen Video is where it came from, the needs it services, and then we'll get into the process of investing in influencer marketing via working with Gen Video. I'll say it this way, Gen Video is a tech-enabled influencer marketing agency. And I choose that word agency carefully. We'll talk a lot about this, I think, as we go through the podcast. But um, our focus is on e-commerce outcomes in our campaigns, which is also why, you know, of all the people you might have on the on the podcast, how Gen Video and Flywheel have some affinity for each other is is we really love and think a lot about e-commerce when we're running influencer marketing campaigns. Like any influencer marketing company, we recruit influencers, we have them execute campaigns to drive results for our clients. Again, the differentiator is in that focus on e-commerce outcomes, which span a couple different areas. One, we work diligently to track and maximize the direct sales or at least the selling signals coming from the social post by the influencers. The second piece is we work to make it easy for clients to repurpose the influencer content onto product pages, which is one of our real specializations, and then elsewhere. 
And then finally, as you can tell by the name, we think all of this is best done in video, which has long been our medium of choice. And happily, the world is pretty much now there. That almost sounds silly to say. Everything is video. But if you even if you go back two or three years, influencer marketing was really more about imagery and even things that were text-based versus video. Video has, has only very recently kind of become the dominant medium. I'd love for you to give me your take on why influencer marketing is something that brands should be investing in. In my opinion, it seems like like you're kind of far behind if you're not investing in some form of influencer marketing. But as someone, you, that is an expert, why should you be making this investment? Yeah, I, look, I think it's always a good idea to go back to first principles. You know, why are we doing these things that we're doing? And And I don't think it's unfair to say they're probably some people doing influencer marketing because everybody else is doing it. And certainly, you know, it's grown so far so fast that there have been a lot of brands, you know, when you go to trade shows who have resisted, if you will, the lure of influencer marketing, feeling like this has got to be a fad. So let's go back to the first principles, why it's such an amazing opportunity for brands. The first thing is you're able to partner with people who have a unique understanding and insight into the needs and wants of fellow consumers in a particular particular vertical or niche. And that's crazy. It's almost like they're like these marketing consultants that you get built in when you are executing one of these campaigns. And so not only though, can the brands benefit from the unique insights that these experts bring, and, and I am in fairness equating expertise with the ability to attract an audience, right? Because the definition of an influencer is someone who has a built-in audience. And so there may be a slight intellectual leap of faith to say, well, just because they have an audience, you know, does that really make them an expert in an industry or a vertical? We have to debate that. I think it's a fair leap of faith, certainly for the purpose of this exercise. But that's just the beginning, right? So what's amazing is that the value that they bring doesn't stop with these insights. It goes to the fact that they're now bringing you this insight, I mean, this audience, and they are actually also going to produce the content that's going to be used to deliver those insights to that audience. There's never been anything like that in the history of media where you're getting kind of a three for one. So it's a really amazing opportunity when you take advantage of all three of those elements. And that's the hard part is companies aren't really built. Brands aren't really built to be able to leverage three different disciplines, if you will, or three different value drivers from all these different sources in a single situation. So Gen Video isn't just a company that's going to help you find influencers. You have quite literally everything that you've built out a influencer CRM, content creation, syndication, performance analytics, the whole enchilada. So I think to get a glimpse into all of these different areas, we should go on this journey of a brand wanting to begin their influencer marketing adventure with Gen Video. So easy question for you, clearly. Where would you start with this brand and what tools does Gen Video have for the setup process? So the first thing is going to be understanding what the goals or at least what the initial campaign is going to be uh, with this brand. Generally, those goals are going to fall into one of three buckets. They're going to want to generate amazing repurposable content. They're going to want to build awareness or they're going to want to drive sales or at least sales signals, and maybe a combination of two. Hopefully, we're not going to try to do all three at once, because again, that's where you start to set yourself up for failure or underperformance. If it's the first one, creating content, 
I'm also going to want to dig into the firm's culture. Are they ready to hand over the reins to outsiders creatively? Like that can be challenging even today. And I get that. But part of that letting go is finding the magic. And so it's just a question of where are we on that journey or continuum? And that'll really define how we execute. And any answer is fine. The trick is to make sure that we're being responsive to the client needs. If it's the third one, driving sales, then I want to make sure that we really have the correct setup for that, both from a product and a measurement perspective. For example, and not a lot of people are going to cl click on an influencer ad about Dove Soap, no matter how compelling that content is. They're already aware of Dove, and they can get it literally anywhere. So even if people did click on those ads, it would also be a drop in the bucket in terms of a sales perspective for Dove. So why exactly is that the goal of this campaign? So we're going to want to at least talk about that and understand it. And so in that case, maybe a better goal is getting some amazingly authentic influencer content that leans into their real beauty focus and leads to higher conversion rate when we repurpose that content on a product page or we use it in ads and we do something else with it. So, so it's, again, all about the setup. The next thing we're going to do after understanding the goals and the target demographics uh, that a brand wants to go after is to start recruiting. And that'll begin with our discovery tools. But I described this phase actually as hand-to-hand -hand combat because it really involves our team talking directly to a lot of different influencers to get a sense of the fit, how they'd approach the mandate, and even the logistics, are they available? Are they affordable, right? Are they in the price range that we think they should be in based on what we know? And this is just a huge, huge differentiator for us because other influencer marketing companies tend to just bury the client in lists of influencers who match up demographically based on what's in their database. And that's not our approach at all. We think it misses a ton of opportunity to get creative and it just leads to this kind of cookie cutter approach. And there's also a lot of swings and misses there where show them this list of potential influencers. They get excited about a bunch of them. Turns out they're not a good fit for whatever reason. And so it's literally like dating scenario where suddenly you find out that all the people you like don't really like you. So it's just a bad taste in, in people's mouth. So the opening phase, this opening phase sort of ends with what I call the show. And the show is where we present a very tight lookbook of pre-vetted influencers with a degree of conviction that certainly leaves room for the client to say, hey, no, this isn't quite right. Like you haven't got it right. But those are amazing conversations even when they happen. Like why didn't we get it right? Because we thought we heard you. These influencers are excited. We're excited. Where do we go from here? which can lead to even better outcomes. But it definitely isn't just throwing spaghetti at a wall and then like going back and like trying to figure out like who's available and who's not. So we really love this part of the process. It comes right up front, but it is the second best part of the whole thing. And hopefully we had a chance to talk about the very best part also. Bill mentioned Dove Soap as an example, but this got me thinking about who I want to be influenced by in order to buy Dove Soap. And I'm thinking like, Something that would catch my attention is Post Malone or Doug the Pug. This is not important at all, so let me get off my soapbox. Haha, <laughs> hey! But what is important is that we take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. I'm just kidding, we don't have a sponsor. It's still just me. And I'm here to tell you about how I want to influence you to work with Flywheel. And also Gen Video, of course. You've already learned a lot in this episode, and something you've probably noticed is that there are so many different key pieces to the world of digital commerce, and even more generally, just commerce. 
Influencer marketing is huge, but it's also a piece of a much bigger puzzle. And you know what we love to solve at Flywheel? Big, complicated, 5,000 or more piece e-commerce puzzles. So any need your company or brand may have, we want to be involved. Please do reach out to us because we would love to work with you. We thrive on challenges and building the best solutions in the industry. Back to our regularly scheduled content. So now that you've matched, let's say you've matched with some good influencers, you've gone through the show and you've made your matches, what comes next? Does the brand or do you facilitate the brand kind of asking for specific types of content to be made? How, what is the next step here? Yeah. So our goal, and this, this is, this comes back to what we talked about right up front where, you know, are we a platform? Are we a company? Are we an agency? And, you know, as much as everybody wants to be a really cool technology company and we th- our platform is completely homegrown. We've spent you know millions and millions and millions of dollars building our proprietary technology. We actually, in the last, even just in the last year or so, just got comfortable with the idea. We're an agency. And so we want to be absolutely turnkey for our clients. We want to handle all the negotiations with the influencers, the contracts, so that again, from the perspective, both the influencer and the brand, that's just a love fest. That's what we want. We want the client to like not hear any of the hard parts about the negotiation. We want the influencer to think we're the bad guy in every situation. We're handling all of that. We're creating a beautiful brief for the clients to read and I mean, for the influencers to read and understand what the client's looking for and then translates down, you know, if the client buried us in PowerPoints or spec sheets, like all that just gets boiled down into this beautiful, here's why you're gonna love this product. Sometimes we'll do briefing calls between the influencers and brands, not always, but if we think that's gonna generate or facilitate that mutual love, we're gonna do that. And then we get the concepts. We don't, you know, again, key part of this is authenticity. So you don't want to script influencers, but you definitely want to know the concept and you may want to have some idea of how it's going to play out because the worst thing you can do is have the content come in. And by the way, the content should be the highlight of the whole campaign. When that client sees how an influencer has brought their product to life, that should be the moment of truth, the true moment of truth and the absolute pinnacle emotionally in a campaign. So we want to do everything to set that moment up and realize that moment. And again, even when the content comes in, you know, we'll look at it first. If there's anything that needs to be tweaked or was missed, we want to call that out. Maybe we even have the influencer edit it before we show it to the client, but for sure we want to say to the client, oh, they missed this, but that's okay. We're going to get that in the second revision. And so from the client's perspective, really, they should only have to do three things, approve the influencer, approve the concept, and approve the content. And so it should just be, it should feel embarrassingly simple and fun for them relative to, again, when I started even in this business, a brand marketer's job, you know, when I think about what they would do to like make a 30 second commercial, so much work, so painful. This should be fun and easy and feel like you're adding equal or even more value. Amazing. I like that. I'm thinking through my head. So I think next up in the process is some form of syndication, like the content has to go somewhere, right? Like you make the content and then we want it to go somewhere that people see it. But I'm wondering, and I know that you've probably strategically discussed where it makes sense for this content to go, but are you working with brands who are primarily like syndicating the content to social media platforms or like retailer kind of sites? Ah, it's such a good question. So again, when we started, if we go back to the beginning of the company, the history of the company, we were actually 
predominantly syndicating to retailers, specifically Amazon. That is completely shifted and changed today, where now the first stop, and by the way, we used to really work for e-com content managers, even more than brand managers, which again, how we got to know Flywheel so many years ago. At some point after the pivot, so when we made the pivot, what ended up happening was these e-com content managers were going to brand managers and saying like, okay, I know everyone's excited about influencer marketing. I found an influencer marketing company that is actually focused on driving sales and this e-commerce performance. And the first reaction that these brand managers would was having to the e-com content manager was like, get out of my lane. Like I do the influencer marketing. You just make, you know, pretty stuff for the product pages. Um, but over time, we were able to transition and now the primary client is the the brand manager. And so they still definitely want to start with publishing on the social media channels. And again, even when we're talking about publishing on social media channels, we have to differentiate between is that organic, i.e. on the influencer's channel, unboosted, unpaid, just reaching the subscribers that the that the algorithm decides should see that content or are we boosting it? through paid media on those same social media platforms. And then where does it go from there? And it may go offline, it may go on LinkedIn, it may go somewhere else, but then we wanna close that loop back to the e-commerce product pages. And we wanna transform that content from something that lives natively in social to something that can live natively in that e-commerce environment. Even today, that's harder said than, harder done than said, easier said than done. There's so many loops between brand content or brand marketing materials and e-commerce content that we often still step in and provide what you call last mile services. So like, well, we'll go into Vendor Central and we'll upload the video on your PDP. We'll syndicate it through related videos. We'll collaborate with Syndigo or Salsify to get that content out there, whatever it's going to take to to make it happen. And oh, by the way, of course, we'll defer to an e-com content team now that they are our secondary clients and do any editing or anything that they need to get it in the format they want. We just want to see it happen, right? We want to see it used in that place where really the rubber meets the road at the point of purchase. I love that clarification going back to like social organic versus sponsored or paid, but then also the the way you went through that. It really showcases like the work that you don't just press a button and it syndicates everywhere. Like sometimes it really does involve going in and uploading. I've done the upload to Vendor Central, the Salsify, everywhere. So I would I would agree that you guys are an agency <laughs> with that hands-on where it's like, we're gonna do anything to make it happen exactly. for you. Just give us the login. Us the login and we will go. We will like we will be hands. Absolutely. They're like failure is not an option, should be the mantra. Agreed. So let's say You've got your campaigns live. They're wherever it makes sense for them to be. I want to talk about performance measurement afterward because I think that's what brands are going to care about. And even influencers, most of the time, I think, want to see how their content has performed in order to improve. But can you tell me about what kind of performance measurement capabilities does Gen Video have? And like, what even are some of the KPIs that marketers care about when it comes to influencer marketing? There are so many. By the way, I want to, you've, you've said something there that was really profound. I don't even, it like it went by fast, which is metrics for influencers. So you talked about metrics for brands, but influencers. So yeah, good for you. Good for me. Well, let's stick with brands, right? The clients for the moment. 
And the first thing I think you, you have to start with the content. Everybody forgets that production is built into influencer marketing. And so one of the things we try to do is quantify the value of that content. Now, again, if it's content that is just going to be tissue paper, just going to live on the influencer's channel and you're not going to do anything else with it, maybe you say like, well, why am I thinking about that production? But in any other format, any other type of media, you're definitely thinking about what did it cost to make this content? And so again, we, we definitely, and one of the ways we'll do it is we'll look on the back end and we'll say like, what are all the number of places that we were able to repurpose this content? And can we put a value on that syndication in some form or format? Then again, let's break it down very carefully. There's the organic social awareness, and that's what the potential audience of those influencers was the actual audience. And so what did the algorithm decide who to serve the content to within that influencer's organic audience or not, right? So we call that like the playthrough rate. And then the engagements, we can differentiate between those. When you start thinking about the verbatims and your ability to be a part of the dialogue with that influencer, I think there is gold in them, our hills. And some of the smartest clients that we work with really believe in the value of those engagements. Then again, this next thing is going to be looking at those paid metrics. And those are probably the easiest ones to understand. That's classic marketing. But again, when you are boosting social content, let's not confuse that with organic viewership of the content. Those are, they look exactly the same at some level, but they are entirely different. You're reaching a different audience than the influencer's audience. So that's critical. They're being pushed that content. So how they react to it, we should expect to be different. The cost structure is going to be completely different. Then we can go to the direct sales. And so again, that can be everything from clicks, it can be actual sales. You know, again, we use like affiliate and other tracking mechanisms to do any mechanism we can use to get attribution on sales. Um, there could be carding. There could be shopper choice. We might have links to multiple different retailers. So where did the shopper want to go to? Um, there can be affinity sales. So part of the thing about attribution, depending on what attribution network or technology you're using, you know, you can see, did we sell Dove Soap? Did we sell the competitor soap? If so, why are we selling the competitor soap? Why did that happen? There can be halo sales. We drove the traffic to Walmart, but people still bought at Amazon. Why did that happen, right? And so there are so many metrics that come out of that that are just incredible and very interesting. And then last, there are the indirect commerce metrics. Like again, okay, we got the, the content on the PDP. Did we see a conversion rate lift after that? And what did that look like? And what was the consumption like on that PDP? So... The challenge is there are so many metrics, you know, it, it's not like traditional digital advertising. It's much more, and again, I don't, I mean this in the most sort of positive yet humble way. I mean, the complexity of things that Flywheel deals with it in the e-commerce environment is amazing. It's why one of the reasons you guys are so successful is you are tackling incredibly complex problems with a million different levers, right? A butterfly flaps its wing in China and e-commerce sales, you know, change in North America. You guys have to interpret that. We're not that far. We're one order of complexity behind you in influencer marketing. And I would say, again, this is <laughs> self-deprecating. We're an industry of people who love social media and all the beautiful content that these influencers make where what we really need is you know, like the PhDs and the data scientists here telling us what it all means the same way that the flywheels have in the e-commerce space because the complexity is not that different. So it's very interesting trying to sort through that with clients and you have to do it clearly 
and transparently and boil it down to its most simplistic things. Because obviously, once you've lost the client in that tale of the story you're trying to tell and communicate, then you've really done a disservice to the industry and, and to the client themselves. So in summary, there's just like a lot of metrics. <laughs> and I <laughs> I love the self-deprecating. <laughs> I am known for my self-deprecating humor. So <laughs> we love that on the show. And with that, we are nearing the end of this episode of the Commerce Collective podcast. But of course, we have to ask Bill about what's on his personal digital wish list. And I think he has quite literally the most meta response to the question we've ever heard. I mean, I'll tell you what I'm I'm excited about, and I'll, I guess I'll come back to the Whoop thing. I, I think we are in a revolution of understanding ourselves through these sort of wearable devices and and sort of ability to track our own body, our like chemistry. Like, so there's other things I don't know that you would call them like digital, but like tracking what I eat, you know, all my exercise, all those things and the tools to be able to do those types of things. I think they're just exploding. And so, and I think that is an incredible opportunity for humankind because, and again, I think I've even in certain situations had people say like, I don't want to have all that information. Like, I don't want to know. <laughs> and I get that. I get the fear, I get the trepidation, but honestly, knowledge is power. And, you know, to be able to optimize like our own performance, our own health and understand all those things. That's what's for sure for me on my sort of digital wish list is this deeper and deeper melding of the physical world in the digital world, I think is, you know, I think is amazing and really great. So anybody who's got any insights or ideas for me there, sign me up. I'm in. And with that, we are at the end of this episode. Thanks so much to Bill from Gen Video. And if you want to learn more about Gen Video, you can search gen.video and you'll show up right on their landing page. And of course, if you want to learn more about Flywheel, expand your interactions with us, have a chat, hang out, you name it, you can reach out to me at emma.irwin at flywheeldigital.com and I would be incredibly happy to facilitate that. That's it for this episode and we'll see you next time. <laughs>